This is Battery Life, presented by First Ohio Battery. Welcome back to Battery Life. Rob Mixer with my friend, my co-host, Samuel F. Blazer. Well, uh, a big show this week again. Last week, we had Chris Johnson from Sportsnet talking about Artemi Panarin, Sergei Bobrovsky, uh, and where the Blue Jackets are going to the, leading into the trade deadline. So uh, there was a lot to talk about last week. Mm-hmm. This week, more to talk about. There is increasing conversation around Sergei Bobrovsky. A lot of rumors, uh, maybe some informed guessing speculation going on. So who better to talk to than one of the goaltending experts in the media, Kat Silverman of The Athletic. Exactly. One of the foremost uh, authorities on goaltending. Absolutely. And we're also going to touch a little bit on the uh, Arizona Coyotes as well, who the Blue Jackets are playing later on this week. And a team that's playing quite well Exactly. Right so, Almost the opposite of the Blue Jackets. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the Blue Jackets aren't playing well, right? Hmm. Who'd have thunk? Couldn't be me. No. <laughs> All right. So we'll stop wasting your time and we'll jump into our interview with Kat. Hey guys, it's Rob. Just a reminder that you can get First Ohio Battery gear at the 11 Warriors Dry Goods Store. Just visit drygoods.11warriors.com and click on the First Ohio Battery selection. We are back and we are now joined by uh, Athletic Arizona and In Goal Media writer, Cat uh, Silverman. Cat, we appreciate you joining the program today. I'm good. How are you guys? Good, good, good. Doing great. Rob, you got the first question? Yeah, Kat, question for you about Sergei Bobrovsky. Uh, there's a lot of conversation around him, his his future with the Blue Jackets. Will he stay? Will he go? Real, realistically, from a league-wide perspective, I, I know every year the goalie market is kind of unpredictable, and we're not really sure maybe who's in it or who's not. We've heard the Florida Panthers. How many teams realistically make sense to be able to pull this off before the deadline? Ooh, before the deadline. Uh, that's tough. I know, um, I know the Colorado fan base is very interested in the idea in theory. Um, I don't think that's something that necessarily makes sense because I don't see Bobrovsky as a huge upgrade as much of a lateral move over, uh, Semyon Varlamov, which I know is going to hurt the feelings of some Columbus fans, but uh, they're both very, very good goalies. They both have their peaks. They both have their valleys right now. Varlamov is in one of his valleys. He's a, he's going through a bit of a tough stretch, but he overall is just as good as Bobrovsky. So uh, I don't necessarily see that one, but in theory, that's a team that could pull it off. Um, In theory, the Coyotes, I guess, could pull it off if they found themselves in a playoff spot and didn't trust Darcy Kemper, which would be smart. Um, But once again, that's another team that I just don't see as necessarily being one that would make the move. It's just one that logistically could. And that's that's really the big thing that uh, I think a lot of people don't really, really think about is uh, there are the teams that could and then there are the teams that would and they don't always don't always match up, you know? And, uh, like you said, Florida's one that could be considered. I know that Luongo's health isn't, uh, isn't something they're too confident in. I don't think any of us are too confident in it at this point. Um, but beyond that, there aren't really a ton of teams that both have the cap space, um, have the need and, really would because a lot of the teams that have the cap space might be in a playoff spot, but aren't looking at a deep run and maybe, maybe don't want to give up what it would, what what it would really take to do that as a deadline thing. Right. And further to that, let's say 
the Panthers are one of those teams. Let's say they have an interest in doing it. And it, it, it sounds like at least what was reported today uh, by Larry Brooks is that part of the motivation of the Panthers potentially making this deal before the deadline is to get Bobrovsky in the fold, which would enable them to give him an eight-year deal. How risky is it on multiple fronts? I, I think you would know a lot more about this than any of us would, but how risky is it to give a goaltender in, age, in his age 30 season a, a deal that would carry him through age 38? So I think there's, it, it depends on what your window is really, you know, you, uh, is there a risk in potentially having him fall off for the last year to possibly even three years of the eight year deal? Yes. Uh, I, I can count on one hand, essentially the number of goaltenders who have been durable through age 38. And that's really Henrik Lundqvist, Roberto Luongo and Marty Bruder. Um, but you know, if a team is able to get even one cup out of a guy, in that 30 to 38 year range, is it worth it to maybe deal with the cap crunch at the end? Uh, some people would say yes. If they get two cups out of it, is it worth it? I think more people would say yes. If they manage to pull off a Blackhawks type situation and get three, uh, they would say absolutely. So, so really, uh, I, I think we, if they're able to get a cup out of it, I don't think those final two, even three years of the deal are really something that people need to be wringing their hands over so much. Um, Cause I mean, goaltending can make or break your cup run as we all know, um, as you guys might know more than the rest of us. I mean, uh, Ouch. <laughs> but I know, I know I had to, <laughs> but no, you know, I mean, it's something that Columbus fans are very familiar with. And so that's something that also needs to be considered. You know, I think uh, I know some writers out there today were, were speculating about the injury risk. Um, we haven't really seen Bobrovsky as a huge injury liability since he changed up his training regimen in the last, I want to say, three years or so. He's made some serious overhauls in how he's trained, how he's approached things. We haven't really seen him as a huge long-term injury risk, uh, not like like Varlamov, which really is the issue in Colorado right now. Um, but yeah, he's a he hasn't been super reliable in the playoffs. And that's something that I think more than the age at the end of his contract is something that teams are considering is if you give a guy an eight year deal and he does continue to struggle in the postseason, it's not a, not a location, not a situation, it's not a defense thing. It's him. Uh, you've, you've essentially anchored yourself to him for eight years. And that's, that's more of an issue than those final couple years of the deal. Yeah, definitely. It's rough. And you know, the, the bad with Sergei Borowski is obviously in this moment, he's, not playing so well uh, is probably one of his worst seasons, I guess, even taking it all the way back to when he was playing for the Flyers um, on his end. Is there anything that you see in Bobrovsky that just isn't sitting right with you? Obviously, you know, catching games is really tough. Uh, you know, uh, you being over on the West Coast, um, but the, it's he's a very athletic goalie. But for whatever reason, it doesn't seem like his timing is right. And it feels like there's some issues that uh are just lingering on for longer than they normally would. Normally they get rectified in short order. Could that even be like a goaltending coach issue? Or I, I guess uh, you're much smarter than I on this topic uh, and, and in general, but I mean, I don't know where, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know exactly how to, uh, you know, diagnose this issue that's currently going on with Bobrovsky. 
Oh, I haven't seen him as much this year. Uh, like you said, it's the timing isn't super convenient and he doesn't come through town for about another week, uh, which I'm very excited to see when he pops through. But given my luck, we'll get like a call up from the ECHL here in Arizona. <laughs> instead. We never seem to get the starters. Uh, but no, in, in the past, I, I can give people that diagnosis. Uh, he's had issues with oversliding. Um He's he's obviously a very flexible goaltender. He's one of the most powerful from his knees. He has incredible core strength, incredible groin strength. Um, we've seen him. He can be down in butterfly, and that's if anybody has ever tried that, then getting back up smoothly is not easy. From a strength perspective, he's managed to push back across the crease from his knees, which that just thinking about that makes my meager abs hurt so you know he's, he's incredibly strong but sometimes he does my my daughter has some thoughts on it as well it seems she's yelling at me about it um but no it's uh he sometimes slides a little too far he gets a little too uh a little too over eager sometimes a little too reliant on it we'll see him slide right out of the crease and just the recovery time you know the farther you are from your goal line Obviously, the longer it's going to take you to get back there, and it doesn't matter how powerful you are. If you've if you've overcommitted, if you've pushed too far out, reversing course and coming back is still going to take you longer than someone who's gotten set, isn't continuing to slide, and really stayed within the blue paint. So when he's gone through his tough stretches in the past, we've seen him fall into that habit. Uh, like I said, I haven't seen him this year, so I don't know if he's just not rectifying it fast enough, which could be just dealing with the fact that there have been a lot of external factors this year. I mean, everybody's talking about him. Everybody's looking at him. Everybody's discussing trades and signings and that even if a guy says it doesn't, that affects you. I mean, if your job was constantly being discussed in the media, it would would affect all of us. So I'm Mm -hmm. sure that having something to do with it, I don't know if it's causing the problems or if it's delaying the recovery from the problems or what, but I'm sure it has something to do with it, which He's only human. That's not something that we can really fault him for, Um, but it it could be causing it. And so I don't know if there's an easy fix because I don't think anyone's going to stop talking about him anytime soon. He's clearly one of the hot topics heading into the off season this year and heading into the trade deadline in these next couple of weeks. So that'll be, that'll be interesting to see. I know he's a guy who I I hate talking about mental toughness because that's something that I think really only he can speak to, but he does, he is one of the more mentally tough guys out there. So I think he is able to shake it off to a degree and hopefully he'll be able to shake it off completely and get back to his full form because Bobrovsky at his peak is a lot of fun to watch regardless of what team you're a fan of. So, yeah, he's awesome. Um, for, you know, hate to talk about this while he's still here, but it, it surely sounds like, he's at the end of his time with the, with the blue jackets and they as an organization need to start looking at, at options, you know, should he not be in Columbus beyond the season? Do you think it's possible? And if it is, who are some of the names people should keep an eye on if the blue jackets might be able to make a lateral move or an upgrade in goal to kind of keep this momentum going. They built over the last four or five years because goaltending has been, such a big part of the success they've had and they'd hate to take a step backward in that, in that regard. Um, who are some of the names we should keep an eye on? Should they choose, should they have to go to the marketplace to find a replacement? Um, I think it's, it's kind of tough. Uh, 
every year around free agency, I think uh, there's almost a domino effect. You know, there are mm-hmm. three or four goaltenders out there right now that I can think of off the top of my head that are on one-year deals. They're on the final year of their deals. And if they don't re-sign with their teams, that changes really everything. Because not only does their team have a new opening, but they are now on the market for these other teams to look at. And some of those names for me this year, Laurent Brassois up in Winnipeg. I know he's a, he's a guy who signed relatively cheap as sort of a redemption deal with Winnipeg over the summer. Um, he, he actually earlier in the season mentioned that uh, he was given an offer for a deal to stay in Edmonton, did not want to, which I don't blame him. Um, but he's a guy who, you know, now that he's... <laughs> Somebody's going to hear that and yell at me, but <laughs> no, that, 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 that's a guy who was really promising when he went to Edmonton, when he was there, not too surprisingly, he fell apart. Um, now that he's in Winnipeg, change of scenery, nicer, nicer atmosphere. I want to say he's looking back to what people were really expecting from him in Edmonton and uh, Eric Comrie's coming up behind him in Winnipeg. So that's a guy who really, might need uh, might need a new place to go um, because eventually Eric Comer is going to need to hit the NHL. Uh, I would rather see somebody a little bit more experienced with Corpus Allo in Columbus, but if mm-hmm. worst comes to worst, that's an option. Uh, there's also, there's the possibility uh, that Darcy Kemper is going to end up on the market. Uh, I mean, he currently has a year left on his deal, but Aiden Hill showed during his time in Arizona that he's very much ready for the NHL for a prolonged look. Uh, there are about 14 guys in Philadelphia right now at any given point in time. Clearly, they're not going to keep all of them. So I think anyone from Brian Elliott to Michael Neuberth is going to be on the market Uh Ryan Miller is really the one that I'm the most curious about. His deal is about to expire. And I think he really has earned at this point in his career, the right to choose where he wants to go. Um, and if he wants to stay in Anaheim as a, as a tandem with John Gibson, that seems to be working pretty well. Um, I think he's earned that right. But if he wants to go somewhere where teams win, um, there's a chance that he'll look elsewhere. And uh, he's definitely someone who's managed to keep his career intact. And he's an older guy. He's he's a good leader, veteran voice for Corpus Allo. So that's someone that I could see easily fitting in there. Um, and then there's also, you know, these Columbus fans are really, really set on it. I don't know how realistic it is, but it's not a terrible idea. This lateral swap of Bobrovsky and Varlamov, uh, they're saying, you know, if Bobrovsky heads elsewhere, what if Varlamov heads to Columbus? And it's not the worst idea I've ever heard. He's a little injury prone, but he has a little bit, uh, a little bit more stability to his game. I think his lows are not quite as low as Bobrovsky's lowest lows. Um, and he's a very even keeled guy. He has a similar temperament to, to Bobrovsky. So I think that's a, it would be an easy personality fit in that. Um, and I think it, it could work out if it needed to, but that's another one like Ryan Miller that I don't know if he's going to re-sign where he is right now. I know they haven't taken that off the table in Colorado completely. So that's, that's obviously stuff that we have to look for. <laughs> I am not sure. <laughs> but that, if he is, you know, that's fucking <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, it's uh, it really is. 
Uh, there, there are so many guys. Kim Talbot, I mean, he's, he's another name that's not one that I mm-hmm. necessarily would put in Columbus, but a lot of these guys seem to be leaving it to the last minute. Uh, and if they stay where they are, that changes everything. Yeah. Um, one of the names that Pierre LeBron mentioned today in connection with the Blue Jackets as a possibility was Jimmy Howard, um, who is coming up, I think, will be a free agent in July. Is that right? I, I think. I do not think that's going to happen. Yeah. I I, I do not think that's uh, – I, I don't think that's uh, – it's, it's certainly a name to consider, but kind of looking at the Ryan Miller situation, you know, someone who's earned the right to be where they want to. Um, I know that there have at least been preliminary suggestions within the Detroit organization that he stay on for another year, possibly another two years mm-hmm. to guide them through the interim. Um, mm-hmm. And if he wants to stay there, they are ready to welcome him back for on a short-term thing. So I think that's if he wants to go somewhere and win, I can see it being a fit, but mm-hmm. I also can possibly see him wanting to stick around with, really with the club that he's been with forever. So that I know that they would be happy to keep him on. So I don't know if that's a name that I would necessarily hang my hat on in Columbus, (laughs) but if people want to dream about something better than a, than a 26-year-old Warren Brissois, then that's, I mean, I guess that's a nice thing to think about. Well, you know, they talk about Jimmy Howard, but Blue Jackets also have in the pipeline uh, Elvis Merz-Likens, and he's an interesting prospect just because he's been gestating over in uh, in Europe for a while. I know the Blue Jackets are really high on him, and I guess uh, this transition period, where it, it may be a transition period, how do you, would it be better to bring in somebody like that and kind of split the reps almost evenly between Corpus Hall and someone like Merz-Likens? Or do you think a stopgap would be uh, more beneficial to someone like Corpus Hall and then Merz-Likens can then see time in the AHL, even though he has been doing well in uh, the Swiss League? I think at the very least, you need to have a third guy there. Uh, even if it's someone like, I know Rito Vera likes to sign one-year deals in Switzerland and then cancel them to a, <laughs> to come back as the third goalie for NHL teams every year. Um, he's done it like four times now, but that's, that's an easy situation that I can see happening. Um, because I've, I've watched a lot of Merzleskins. Um, his goalie coach over there is someone who I think does a really good job at Michael Lawrence. And yeah. from what I can tell, he's progressing at a very constant pro level. Uh, and we've seen guys come over and make an almost immediate jump to the NHL uh, when they are older than 20. You know, um, yeah. one of those is Auntie Ronta. Looking back at the Arizona pipeline, you know, uh, when Ronta came over with the Blackhawks, I want to say he was 26, 25, 26 in that general range. And he made an almost immediate jump to the NHL. But I think uh, when I was talking with him about that year. And he said that that first year is still tough, no matter how good you are, no matter how much time you spent preparing, it is still tough. So having, he had a little bit of AHL time that year um, and then made the full-time jump the following year. Um, I can see that being something that maybe they need to do with Elvis, Um, you know, give him maybe 10, 15, even 20 games at the NHL level, give him a lot of time in the AHL and then move him up full-time the following year. So bringing on a third guy would be beneficial, you know, not having, not having your ETHL guy going back to that, (laughs) that whole joke, you know, not having to bring up just some random guy. 
but you don't necessarily need to bring on a Jimmy Howard or a Ryan Miller or something mm-hmm. Varlamov if you're going to do that. And I think it's certainly an option that they can consider. Um, if, if they're confident enough in what Corpusolo is doing, they're confident enough in what they see from Elvis through the final months of the season in Switzerland this year, his playoff run, I think they could certainly go that route and choose someone as a nice third goaltender who maybe even a Richard Bachman or a Mike McKenna type guy, you know, Mm -hmm. someone who has years and years of experience, has some NHL games under their belt. So they're not just going to be totally lost um, and is okay with moving up and down in the system. So that's, if they go that route, I think they need to add that third guy as well, but it's, it's certainly something that I wouldn't hate seeing. I have, I've liked what I've seen from Elvis this year in a big way. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Kat, one more before we let you go. Uh, we want to talk about the coyotes uh, who started fairly well. Um, they were great when they played here in Columbus mm-hmm. in, in November, they kind of faded, but now they're back. They're playing at a 600 plus clip over the last little bit. What's going well for them. I don't know. <laughs> That's a, it, it sounds funny, but they are currently without starting goaltender Antti Ranta, who had a 930 save percentage last year. They're without yeah. top-pairing defender Jason Demers. They're without captain Oliver ekman Larson here and there. He's been injured off and on, uh, budding sophomore. Maybe maybe this is his third year. Jacob Chikrin, he's 20, so I feel like he should be a rookie, but he's not. He's been hurt on and off. Um, Alex Gelchenik has been hurt on and off. Nick Schmaltz has been shut down for the season. Michael Grabner has been out for two and a half months now. Uh, Brad Richardson's been out week to week. Um, Christian DeBrock's been out since the start of the season. Good God. And somebody else. Yeah, no, it's been a, it's been horrifying to watch. Uh, every time somebody gets healthy and we're like, yes, this is finally a little, like it resembles an NHL team again. Somebody else gets hurt, like Brad Richardson and Jacob Chikrin are the two most recent ones, and there within the last week. Schmaltz was right after, I think he was like right before the All-Star break, uh, and he got shut down for the season. So, you know, it's been it's been really ugly to watch. I want off this ride very quickly, but they're winning, which is fun. Uh, Connor Garland's been going right for them. He has 10 goals in 25 games, I believe. Uh They've been getting, when Michael Grabner's healthy, he's been really good. Uh, shorthanded, Brad Richards has been fantastic. He's been shockingly good. He was on like a 20-goal pace at one point. Uh, they've been getting, you know, decent supplementary contributions from guys that you wouldn't really expect. Josh Archibald, Lawson Krause has been picking it up. Uh, even though Clayton Keller not scoring at the clip they want him to he's still on like a 50 or 60 point pace so you can't complain too much about that um but yeah they're just they're hurt like nothing I've ever seen before so it's it's hard to say that things are going right because so much is also Mm -hmm. going wrong but they may make the playoffs because the Pacific is really bad it's really that that's what's going right for them what's going right for them is that every other team in their division is horrifyingly bad so And I want to sneak in this quick question before we let you go. But uh, with them playing the way they have, and you know, obviously in years past being sellers, what what are they looking like at the deadline? Do, like, do you think that because they've played so well and like all the adversity that they've dealt with, that they may end up being buyers of the deadline, or do you think it should be something on their end that you know, getting healthy will almost be the rental that they end up needing? That's that's really, I think, what their primary goal is: is getting healthy, not mortgaging the future. Um, mm-hmm. But Jake is smart we've guy. already seen yeah. one of their, yes, yeah, he's, he's, he's pretty smart, I yeah. think. But uh, no, one of the, 
they, they made a move, I want to say it was two or three weeks ago, that I think is indicative of what they're going to do throughout the deadline. They picked up Jordan Wheel from the Philadelphia Flyers. They sent a sixth-round draft pick, um, and then they sent uh, technically an AHL player who has seen no AHL lifetime. He's been in the ECHL the entire time, so they really just sent a warm body. Um, no, it wasn't a prospect. It was like a 26 year old guy who was a minor leaguer just to move out of contract. They didn't go over the limit. Um, because they have so many guys on LTIR that they're at the 50, they're at the 50 contract limit right now. So that's really what I think we're going to see more of is if they have those extra mid to late round draft picks, some of those AHL guys that maybe they don't really need, they might swap some of those. Um, but it's really just going to be for guys like Jordan wheel, who is a face-off wizard. He's like a 60% face-off success rate. He's a really, really good neutral zone driver. He, uh, I want to say he had like 75% controlled neutral zone entries. Um, during his time with the flyers, which is impressive because they're very bad. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the kind of player that I think they're going to pick up just these extra contributors who aren't really taking spots away from younger guys aren't just warm bodies that are, you know, going to damage their playoff chances. They're going to fill in holes while guys are busy getting healthy so that they don't try and rush anyone back because that can damage the future too. So I really think they're just going to sit tight. If they miss the playoffs, they're giving the fans a fun season and that's what matters. Uh, But if they make the playoffs, obviously they're not going to, they're not going to mortgage what little healthy future they currently have for that playoff run. And they so. do have such a bright future ahead. It's, it's exciting time to be a, a Coyotes fan out there for sure. Well, it really is. And they have some great jerseys. So. <laughs> true. Yeah, they do. Very, very, very true. Well, you can find Kat uh, at Ingold Media uh, and also at The Athletic Arizona. You can also follow her on Twitter at Kat M. Silverman. Uh, Kat, we really appreciate you coming on today and talking about the Coyotes and goaltending. It's uh, been very enlightening for us. Yeah, thanks so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. And we're back after our conversation with Kat Silverman uh, talking about goalies and the Arizona Coyotes. It's an enlightening conversation. I learned more about goalies there than I think I have in the past few years. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty awesome. Special. I mean, huge thanks to Kat mm-hmm. for joining us. That was a great segment, great interview, and tons of insight about you know where the Blue Jackets mm-hmm. are, where they're going, where the goalie market's going, and what's potentially coming through in the pipeline here. So that was awesome. It was interesting, too, is that she hasn't seen much of Bobrovsky this year, but she knows how in the past where he his shortcomings have oh, been. Yeah. And so that's why I, th- I found that fascinating because it's like, well, in the past, this is what he would do. And you have seen it because mm-hmm. he does rely on his athleticism a bunch. And there's times where you uh, almost worry about how he's going to take uh, come back after a bad game. And he's normally mentally pretty sharp. But I think that is, and like she said, it's tough to comment on that. But it feels like that may be where he is at the moment where it feels like all the pressure and all of the other outside distractions might be getting to him. Yeah, it's interesting too because we we like to think of athletes as robotic and and mm-hmm. automatic and it's it's nice to hear like that you know some of our suspicions or our our thoughts are confirmed that these guys you know like they're they're human and the stuff mm-hmm. going on with Bobrovsky around him his uncertainty his future it's all very real yeah uh and especially at a pivotal position 
for a team. I mean, this stuff weighs on guys and, and you, you can definitely see some of that in the way he's played and, and not just game game specific, but the way his game trends and the way he has been far less consistent this year. I mean, he's geez, he's a 901 save percentage in 35 starts. 901. That's, that's so un Bobrovsky like it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, you know, there's definitely more to it than his technical game. And, um, you know, you, you just wonder when this thing comes to a head because it feels like they're giving Jonas Corposalo every opportunity to, to say, this is my yeah. net, this is my team. And it's not there. Like he played pretty well over the weekend, but mm-hmm. some of those goals you, you need to save, you need to keep the momentum going, especially like less than a minute after they get back in that game against St. Louis bang, it's three to one and right. you need a save there. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm so fascinated to see how long the Blue Jackets plan to, to kind of keep this current situation mm-hmm. intact because it seems, you know, like we've heard the word untenable used yeah. before. It, 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 that's kind of how it feels is it, it's boiling, right? Mm-hmm. It's boiling. There's more conversation. Yep. There's more speculation. You know, the, the now players are talking about it publicly. Yeah. So, I mean, this is... This is really going yeah, in a level a, you haven't been. Right, right. Like this is going in a, in a in a kind of a direction we haven't been in yet. And this kind of leads into what we're going to talk about next mm-hmm. is is where they actually are going physically with, you know, the next four games. They're in Denver. They're yeah. going to play the Avalanche, who are in the thick of a race. They're going to go to Arizona, mm-hmm. who is making a really hard charge yeah. to get back in this thing. Then, the, then they're going to Vegas. They got annihilated there in Vegas last mm-hmm. year. And then they're coming home from that first game after a road trip yep. and they're going to play Washington. Yep. So they struggled against a team like Buffalo. They should beat. Mm-hmm. They blew a game in Winnipeg that they probably should have at least gotten a point out of. Yep. And they were God awful against a team that they should have beaten in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Now they have these four games. It feels like it's the season. More it, or less. It is the it, season. It, it's it's right? going to tell you exactly where they go from here. It's two weeks before the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. If you can't make a dent in these four games with the way the teams behind you are playing, Carolina is surging. Yep. Hell, even Philadelphia yep. is surging. Um, and we thought a while back that Carolina was probably too far behind. They're three points back. They're playing well. The Blue Jackets have lost five in a row. They, they haven't gotten a single point in like two plus weeks. Mm-hmm. While teams around them are making their run, this yeah, like this is their season. Yep, for all intents and purposes, um, you know, and, and the likelihood of them finding that themselves at an unreasonable uh, space back mm. after these four games is low. Uh, it would take some kind of mathematical miracle for mm. them to be like so far back that it seems insurmountable. But you definitely don't want to let this like nasty cloud linger for longer than it oh, has, yeah. right? Yeah, and I think when you look at those, that stretch of games too, what they need to prioritize is to stop the bleeding. I feel like when you play the Avalanche, yeah, it needs to be you know a playoff atmosphere. They need to g- absolutely get after it, and you know. Dubinsky left practice um, during the morning skate. Uh, and there was, there's all kinds of things in parts moving in and out. They're shaking up the lineup. Another tra- day. Yeah, exactly. They're trying all sorts of things. Uh, and I think that's the most important game out of that four-game mm-hmm. stretch. Obviously, you know, when you're playing the Capitals uh, Metro matchup, that's important, you know, to get the two points, to keep another team off that uh, 
the the, sta- mm-hmm. the standings they're moving on up it's important but i feel like stopping the bleeding and getting momentum going the other way and realize and finding a fit uh in the lineup where it currently stands is gonna really what what's gonna make this like road trip uh make or break it yeah and we have the luxury of being able to look ahead yeah they don't uh their job is to win this next game yeah you know they they need to to nip this thing right now mm-hmm. um and if we stretch it out one more game beyond Washington. They have the Islanders coming into town. So, I mean, these next five games, you know, if you're in the locker room, if you're on the coaching staff, if you're the players, you can't look beyond Mm -hmm. Tuesday. Um, But, you know, it's hard not to have this, this like uh, make or break kind of feeling with this game or this, this stretch coming up where, you know, they're, they're away, they're on the road, they're all together. Mm. They're on the West coast. They're far away from everything else. This is your opportunity to say, you know what, this stops now. Yep. And we reset and we get this thing back on track. 100%. You know, and it, it you can't wait for it. You can't mm-hmm. say, oh, if we go one, one and one or whatever it is. No, you've got to win the damn game in Colorado. And then you yep. got to go to Arizona and win that one. You got to mm-hmm. try and get something out of Vegas and you come home and see what happens. Like, but you know, they, they want to, I think back that there's zero correlation here, but it just reminds me of, a few years ago when uh, Torts took the team over mm. and they were 0-7, um, they went to Minnesota and they lost. They were 0-8 to start the year. And they went to Colorado and they won to get on the board, mm-hmm. the first win of the year. Uh, so they, they've been able, you know, in the past to win these kind of games, to mm-hmm. stop the bleeding. Uh, I think back to the year they won 16 in a row. They came off that and won and, and and lost like four or five in a row, and they won a big game to stop that bleeding right mm-hmm. away and get going the other direction. So they're gonna need something like that. Yeah, right now they're gonna have an opportunity. I mean, while we give respect to the Avalanche, Coyotes, and Golden Knights, they're all susceptible too. The, they you would hope so, you'd think so, right? Yeah, I hope ex- so. Exactly, and and that's why I think you know coming out of this little mini road trip, they need to they need to figure it out and figure it out quick, but. I feel like even if they are imperfect, which they have been, they are still going to be in each game each night. It's not like this, even with like, you know, a bottom six that I think is kind of in disarray when you take a look at it on paper. I don't think that the Blue Jackets are going to be out of it by any means. And I think that they're just, they're mix and matching and they're going to see what works. Mm -hmm. And if they have to go away from the stuff that has worked in the past, I don't, I think at this point, the all conventions have been thrown out the window and they're going to try what they can to uh, get the, uh, get the W's on the board. I'm really interested to see how the situation that they're in impacts the goaltending. Yeah. You know, like in the past, if you've needed a win, you go to Sergei Bobrovsky. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and is right, he going to be that person on the right. trip? Are they going to put the fate of their season in the hands of a guy who that may add a conditional pick to it? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, are they going to put basically, like we said, the fate of their season or a, at least a big part of where this thing turns in the hands of a guy who is at the root of a lot of the problems they've had this year, both on and off the ice mm-hmm. and whose game has been up and down, whose game has been really inconsistent. Um, or do, do they keep giving the ball to Corpy mm-hmm. and saying, Hey, you know, here's another chance. Here's another one. Here's another one. Uh, I, I mean, this is a really tough spot. If, if you're the head coach to, to, cause you need to get your team out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you've gotten some good efforts out of Bob. You've gotten some not so good efforts out of Bob. And the same can be said for Corpusal. Uh, so how they deploy their goaltenders this week is really, really interesting to me to see. You know, it might not say much about the state of affairs or what is going on, but it, it, it mm-hmm. gives you an indication of who they're entrusting uh, to get them out of this little skid they're on. And if it's Bobrovsky, then wouldn't be a surprise if it's Corpus Hill. It might be a mild surprise, mm-hmm. uh, even considering, you know, the, the, the situation that kind of hovers over them uh, and pretty much assuming that Bobrovsky is not going to be here for much mm-hmm. longer, whether it's at the deadline or at the end of the season. So, I mean, man, like they have, they have three games this week. I mean, and then you come home to play two big ones, you know, in the past, you know, you have no days or you have no back-to-backs. You have a pretty easy schedule in terms of uh, spacing and, and, and travel. You would think that those are five Sergei Bobrovsky games right yeah. there. Bang, 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 bang. But it certainly seems anything from certain right now. Yeah. And if they do end up losing these games, I don't want to, you know, go down that path. But, I mean, do you think – I feel like the playoffs are still within their purview. Do you think it oh, ends yeah. up – do you think there ends up ever being a fire sale in this season if it ends up going even further south? I, I just don't know. I think that there's just such this um, – there's just such this um, – win mode that that they're in and and they're kind of accustomed to it now where i mean you've been in it for so long you've been in it for you know 50 games almost now i mean i don't even know how many games they played god the days blend together but (laughs) however many games they played you've been in it this long and you're up to the deadline if you're in it i mean in it is you know plus or minus a small handful of points Mm -hmm. you you pretty much got to be in go mode um and We've talked about this a lot, both on this show and in our Slack channel, which is a great place to have a conversation. Um, and uh, so we have a lot of debates about what the Blue Jackets are doing in yeah. our Slack channel. I mean, every day. But it, it, it's good discussion because we have a lot of people who I, I think on different our takes. staff. Yeah, I think that there are different takes all across the board about mm-hmm. what they should do. And they're not all bad like Kyle's. No, no, they're not. No. Uh, but you know what? <laughs> we gave Kyle a segment for his take, so we can't talk. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> as he gives yeah. me a death glare across nah, the room. Know, right. So I, I think that it's possible for them to move their two big assets, mm-hmm. but also not sell mm-hmm. quote unquote and position themselves to still be in the race going down mm-hmm. the stretch. Um, it's, it's, it's going to take some creative maneuvering, yeah. uh, some really, uh, nimble use of their assets that they have both on the roster and in their arsenal in the organization, but it's possible. It's possible for them to make this kind of a, a shuffling or, or a retooling mm-hmm. rather than a tear down and sell off, so yeah. to speak. I, and I guess I have one last question for you before we go and we let Kyle have his time here is that. The team overall, do they do they think that they may need a change in you know the the coaching range, like area at all, or is that something that's preemptive at this point? That's you're kind of saying that. Do you think that the message is getting tired a little bit? You're not necessarily there yet, but I feel like when you hear about the players and you hear uh, different people are getting called out in the media, mm-hmm. do you, I don't think they're at that point. But do you think that no. they're getting towards that cusp? I don't know, right? I mean, it, it's easy for us to have this conversation when they're losing. Right. You know? Always. Always bring up coaching when they're losing. 
Um, you know, there are, I think when <laughs> Torts openly admits he's had a hard time reaching certain guys, I think that's, you know, that's not a good thing to hear mm-hmm. um, that some of his core players, his key players, you know, cough, cough, Alexander Wenberg mm. aren't hearing his message or it's not uh, moving them to action in the way that he wants them to act. I think that's alarming, mm-hmm. um, you know, but by and large, I mean, this is a team that uh, until right now, when they're in the five game skid, mm-hmm. they have been able to bounce back from little blips on a regular basis. Yeah. We almost expect resilient team, right? They lose a couple bang their their next game is a resounding response in the other direction and they're back on track this is really the first or second time i can think of in the last few years that they've really hit a valley and you know mm-hmm. i i'm not ready to to wave the flag on on, on john tortorella by any means i think he's done a hell of a job here and they've been a pretty consistent group over the last few years with only a couple dips and i mean there are some really good teams that have gone through some really big dips Oh yeah, over the last couple of years, especially this year, right? Um, but you know, it, there are some some things that kind of make you raise your eyebrows a little bit when certain guys are maybe plateauing or mm-hmm. they're going sideways. Like Weinberg, I think Zach Wierenski's had a kind of a sideways year. Um, Oliver Bjorkstrand's come on lately, but his development has not been all that encouraging. Mm-hmm. So those are the things that kind of bring up that question in your, yeah. in your mind is like, what, what, where's the message going? Is mm-hmm. it going to the, is it being in processed the, the right way? Yeah. Right. Like, is it being processed the right way? And I think by and large, we could say yes, mm-hmm. but there are certain things that have gone on that make you kind of wonder, you know, is it not resonating with certain guys? And I think mm-hmm. that happens with every team. Mm-hmm. There are certain, I mean, I, I think there are guys in Toronto that Mike Babcock can't reach, yeah. but that's a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't say that's an indictment on John Tortorella. Um, it, it's just kind of the way things go sometimes. Certain players don't hit it off with certain coaches, but mm-hmm. they find a way to coexist. I think, you know, if you look at Wenberg and Tortorella, I mean, there's a lot of skill and a lot of potential mm-hmm. with, with Wenberg. And when Tortorella first got here in 2015, uh, when things were going off the rails, Wenberg was a guy that he gave a ton of minutes to Big time. right off the bat. That was a guy that he was in for. He was the guy that spelled Ryan Johansson most of the time. Right. Like he would, John Tortorella was all in on what Wenberg can do. And you felt like this was, this was the coach to awaken him and get him on track. And then in 16, 17, he's a 60 point player for, mm-hmm. you know, for you know, 59 points, but you know, he was he had a really good year. And yeah. since then it has not been the same. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a number of factors you can point to, um, but it, for whatever reason, it hasn't worked. And that's one of the examples you look at is, you know, whether it's coaching, whether it's individual, why it isn't working really, really makes you think about it because that's a player that should be a big part of what they're doing here. Yeah. There, and there needs to be some self-reflection. I feel yeah. like it's like, wh- why isn't this working? We know he has talent. We know that he can uh, put mm-hmm. together a pass like nobody else. Yep. You know, when he does shoot, that he does actually have a good shot and that defensively he's solid, but it feels like as of right now, they get one of those parts Yeah, and, and then they can't get it all put together. And then you need to see if that's coaching, if that's where his line mates are, if that's something uh, if it's a possibility that he's not getting enough ice time or if he's getting too much ice time and they need to, they need to kind of, you got 21 minutes there. the other night. Exactly. I mean, a lot of ice. So the opportunity is there mm-hmm. without a doubt, without a doubt. 
And then with all that being said, I guess we're going to bring Kyle in a little bit for Mortison's Minutes. Hey guys, it's Rob. And Sam. Sam, did you know that Smoked on High is the official barbecue of First Ohio Battery and <clears throat> the Battery Life Pod? I did not. Oh, they are now. We are back, and I am joined by Kyle Morrison. It's time for Morrison's Minutes. It certainly is. <laughs> and uh, it's an honor to be here with Sam Blazer, the Lil Wayne of the podcast game here, after Rob called you Sam F. Blazer. It's, uh, that was, what, that's a Lil Wayne's thing, right? Wheezy F, baby. Mm-hmm. Sam, what's the F for with Sam Blazer? Can't afford it. Can't afford it? Oh, man. Well, that's unfortunate. We may need to cut that out, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure it actually stays in. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, anyway, so I'll, I'll just I'll just jump right in, I guess. So, uh, Let's hear take number one. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Take, take number, number one. one. Um, you know, everyone obviously pays a ton of attention to uh, line combinations that are tweeted out during practice. Mm-hmm. So apparently Artemi Panarin is now on the second line with Alex Wenberg and Oliver Bjorkstrand. Mm-hmm. So my first hot take is that at least two of those guys will get moved uh, around the deadline. Interesting. Yeah. Two I, of them. I think two of them, and I think that it's a lot more likely that more than one of them gets moved if the team takes or continues to take a bit of a nosedive here, given that mm-hmm. they are going into the Thunderdome a little bit on this road trip. Mm-hmm. And even when they come back from the road trip, very, very tough schedule. Already lost five in a row, and teams are gaining on them. So I think if the picture gets more bleak, I mean, Panarin's probably gone, mm. I, I think, no matter what. Um, Between Winberg and Bjorkstrand, who do you think is the more likely one? Ah, that's tough. So one of my other hot takes, uh, or part of a hot take, I have some notes written out here. but um, <laughs> Part of a hot take? I don't, is, that, is that like hot take 0.5? I, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's tough to quantify this because it's just mm. heat. You know, we need like the Schofield thing or whatever it's called mm. that for, uh, for peppers. Yeah, but, hot ones. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, I would... I honestly think it might be Wenberg because, you know, if they are going after a guy like Derek Broussard or if they're, you know, thinking that they're going to be big players for a guy like Matt Duchesne this off season. I mean, you know, we've certainly seen Wenberg, I think, struggle a lot in that third center role for this team. Um, you know, I, I think they're going to get an upgrade over him from a pure production standpoint. And unless they can do something that'll turn his game around real quick, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they figured that they could actually get more for him, even in a down year, even when you're, you know, selling low, so to speak, because I think a team is going to look at, you know, his skill set and at what he's done in the past and think that they can turn him around. Uh, it could be something where he's shipped out for maybe another buy low candidate that the jackets like, um, you know, I think that could be a good scenario there. I think Bjorkstrand is a guy who has a lot better of a chance of being fixed here in the near future. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we saw he's had a couple of uh, pretty decent games here, um, you know, last couple nights out. And yeah, I think part of why Bjorkstrand has struggled so much this year, um, you know, aside from just not being willing to shoot the puck as much as he should be, mm-hmm. I, I think some of it might be that he's played so much with Wenberg. You know, maybe he needs a center that's going to get him the puck a little bit more and in some better areas, mm-hmm. draw a little bit more space. We saw it on one of his goals. Wenberg actually did a really good job of that. Um, when he went very slowly across the zone and mm-hmm. drew a defender away and got to Bjorkstrand a couple nights ago. But um, yeah, I, I think, you know, potentially two, maybe all three of those guys, but I would probably say two of those guys. It's a pretty hot take, but mm-hmm. not to toot my own horn for hey, hot takes there, but you're fine. You're, this, is, this is your segment. This is a hot take central. I like yeah, that. And it's completely contradicting a hot take. I had a couple of weeks ago too. And I said that they were going to have a very quiet trade deadline and not sell low on anyone. Hey, no, no one, no one like keeps track of all the hot takes hot are takes. not about consistency. The only thing you need that's consistent in your hot takes is a level of heat. 
Yeah, I'll say Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless, no one ever fact checks them. Yeah, and you know, that's that's what everyone wants is to be mentioned with uh with those two uh very Mount outstanding. Rushmore, Skip Bayless, uh <laughs> Stephen A. Smith, Kyle Morrison, and Clay Travis. Oh god. <laughs> <sighs> Clay Travis. All right, let's hear take number two. All right, take number two. <laughs> The Blue Jackets will not have a first-round playoff exit this year. You can take that one of two ways. That's what to say. Yeah, so again, with the Metro tightening up, with moves probably being made here, you know, could be selling on two of their best players, could even retool beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think regardless, it's either going to be kind of like a catalyst for them that you know brings them all together, puts a big chip on their shoulder, and fixes some of the underlying issues that they've had, like depth scoring and goaltending, mm-hmm. and gets that monkey off their back and really pushes them past the uh, the first round. Or everything is just going to go hilariously wrong, and nothing's <laughs> going to fit together, and they're going to miss the playoffs entirely. Um, obviously, I you know would say I want them to uh, to make it to the second round this year, but uh, I guess this is kind of leading into hot take three a little bit. Mm-hmm. I well, here let's hear hot take three. I wouldn't really be totally broken up if they ended up missing the playoffs this year. If it meant that they were, you know, let's say that they have a they continue to have a very poor stretch here, and it leads mm-hmm. to some you know bigger moves being made at a time in the trade deadline where maybe not for Bobrovsky and Panarin, but generally teams are paying a bit of a premium. Um, you know, it also gives them a little bit of time to iron out some issues, maybe give some guys different looks maybe putting Bjorkstrand up on the top line, for example, maybe calling up Sonny Milano and seeing what he's got. Mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I think that... I saw Rob's eyebrows go up. Yeah, that that was more... <laughs> that, that, I don't think that's going to happen. You're pandering but, to me. I get it. Yeah, that, that was just me uh, you know, playing the host a little bit. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, uh, it's going to be... If they do miss the playoffs, but enough stuff happens here in the next week or so that they decide to do a little bit bigger of a sale and, you know, change things up a little bit. That core is still going to be intact. They're going to find out what else they have internally, as far as pieces that can complement that moving forward, um, finding out what, you know, other players that they have are capable of. And then at the same time, building some assets that they could either, you know, it could be a young player that they get back in a trade. I know if Florida ends up being the destination for Panarin or Bobrovsky or both of them, you know, they have some very good forward prospects who are Let's close. hear them. Let's hear them. I know you want to say them. I know you want <laughs> no, to list they, them off. They have probably like four or five, maybe even six really good forward prospects. And I'd say probably three of those guys are very close to being NHL ready and being able to be like impact guys at the NHL level. Mm-hmm. If they're able to get one of those guys back, that's a guy that could, you know, fill in a major role and become part of that core mm-hmm. going forward. So it's a chance to expand their core and they are going to have a lot of cap space. It's a good free agent class. If they miss the playoffs, they might learn some lessons down the stretch that make them a better team going forward. And they could also be forced to sell off a little bit more, get more assets that will help them to achieve that same thing. It's a tough position. I I feel uh, for the blue jackets and I know you're, you're in one camp. I'm kind of in the other. I, I, but you know, I'm starting to go bit by bit more into your camp. And I feel like if they continue to lose, if they continue to do what they have been doing, um, I don't see how you can't sell. Yeah, and I think it. Yeah, I think it's definitely worth trying to, you know. I mean, obviously they're going to look after the future and probably try to move Bobrovsky and probably try to move Panarin, but I think they're going to make moves that will keep them competitive down the stretch, regardless. It's just mm-hmm. it's always kind of a crapshoot seeing if those pieces fit together. Yeah. 
Exactly. It's so tough, it's tough to do. So in a way, I mean, you know, after the deadline, if they do move out both of those guys and if they make additional moves beyond that, you're kind of playing with house money then. Yeah, true. You know, the expectations are going to be a lot different. It's going to be, you know, if this works great, if it doesn't work, we are positioned better for the future. We're going to be very competitive next year. Team tank. <sighs> Not team <laughs> tank, but I don't know. And then I have one more bonus hot take. Let's hear it. Uh, and it's a, it's a seasonal timely hot take here. Mm-hmm. So obviously it was just Super Bowl Sunday. And yeah. my hot take is that, uh, I don't know. I think I had probably my favorite Super Bowl Sunday I've had in a very long time mm-hmm. because I watched like maybe three or four minutes total of the Super Bowl. <laughs> I went to a Super Bowl party with a small group of my friends. Uh, my fiance made this awesome like buffalo chicken pull apart bread. Ooh, yeah. It, which is like super, super easy to make. So shouts out to her. Um, but yeah, we kind of realized after a couple minutes of watching the game that we like no one at that party actually cares about the mm. NFL really. Um, so instead we just kind of pulled up YouTube and watched like an hour of <laughs> like, uh, it was like an hour best of vines. Um, which those, was, those, those are always perfect, which was great. And then we watched, uh, like two episodes of jeopardy on Netflix. Mm. And let me tell you, that is the best show on Netflix. What jeopardy. If you're drinking with friends, like that, that, that is we may have some children listening to this podcast. I know they can be and quite we, impressed. And we don't, and we don't have an explicit rating. That's true. Um, <laughs> you completely stopped yourself in your tracks, but if you're, uh, yeah, I don't know, getting together with some friends and you kind of pick your horse in jeopardy a little bit and, mm-hmm. you know, you theoretically could make a drinking game out mm-hmm. of it. I'm not saying that we did, but possibly, possibly. Uh, and if you did make a drinking game out of that, I'm sure it would be very fun when you know that you're watching, uh, that instead of the worst Super Bowl in recent memory. Ooh, that's, is that a hot take? No. Come on, <laughs> I I was gonna dispute it and I was gonna try to get an argument, but uh, you know I I don't really care enough about that. Yeah, like the the, the highest score it. or like the the biggest number on the board after halftime was the five after the word maroon. So that's ooh, nice. I saw I stole that tweet. Okay, yeah, that's that's I figured, but that's I, you a know, real I, life stolen tweet, right? Yeah, there. I, I just uh, I wasn't going I wasn't going to put that on you. I was gonna be like, you know what? Good for Kyle on that one. <laughs> I would like I would like to claim credit for that, but you know, we while these are hot takes, they're also honest takes. <laughs> honest takes. I like it. Ethical takes. Ethical takes. I like it. I like it. We don't steal content here. No, 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 no. Well, you can uh <laughs> follow, rate, comment, subscribe to the podcast on TuneIn, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, or pretty much wherever podcasts can be found. If you rate, comment, subscribe, it helps us out a whole bunch. We truly do appreciate it. We appreciate you guys for listening. And remember. Everything I told you is true.